This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Kayla Benny in Ocala, Florida. And I am not Charles in Australia. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And you're listening to the monthly breeding and horse sales episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 28th, episode 2607. This episode is brought to you by Supreme Top Form. Good morning, horse world. Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. That means it's time to talk sales and breeding. Uh, uh, of horses, that is. Do you like your new opener? (laughs) (laughs) I feel really special and slightly inappropriate. (laughs) This guy is good. You know, it's so funny. Our guy who's done our roller openers for years, and and I got him off of Fiverr. I found him on Fiverr. I don't even know his name. So, and he's done a hundred openers for us. And I just, I, he does the music and everything. And I just send him an idea and he puts that together and it comes out perfect every time. <laughs> so there's your new opener. <laughs> Yay. We're just here to talk about sales and breeding. Of horses. Of horses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we might get better ratings if we actually talked about the other, to be honest. Oh, you know, that's, uh, a, that's a thought. Yeah. I mean, that's we we'd probably do much better than we're doing here. <laughs> I need more wine first. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could watch Bridgerton and get that if you really wanted that. So <laughs> I still haven't seen that, and people are going nuts about uh, it. Jamie loves it, and I tried it for about 15 minutes, and I had to bail. I couldn't do it. Oh. I couldn't do it. Okay. Well, on today's show, this is the Sales and Breeding episode. Charles is not here. Charlie's not here today. So, But he'll be back. Hopefully, he'll be He's- back next month. He's caught in the land down under. Yeah, he's dealing with stuff down there. Yeah. Uh, but we're here, and you, I saw, are down here. You're actually down my way. You're in Ocala showing, and you got to show at the New World Equestrian Center. And I haven't actually talked to anybody that showed there, so how'd it go? Well, first of all, it's freaking Disneyland. <laughs> you, you walk in, so I, I had to go scope it out, and they hand you a map when you drive in. And, and you need it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I thought I didn't. So I was like, I don't need a map. It's a horse show venue. I'll be fine. I've grown up with this since I could walk. You know, I'll, I'll be fine. So I left it in the truck. And we were trying to find food. And there's food right there. But we we're like, oh, we want to go to the diner. Where's the diner? You needed the map. Yes. Luckily, luckily it's online. So <laughs> you can look it up on your phone. Um it's massive. Oh, if you're going to find your barn or your ring, you need a map. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I will say, because then people that have gone there, um, I was like, oh, I'm in the stadium today showing. And they said, oh, you need to park by barn. I think it was L or something like that, or K, K. And then they're like, they have so I'm many in- barns, it takes up the whole alphabet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're like, I'm in barn M. You would think barn M would be somewhere near K. You know, I, I know the alphabet slightly. Elemental They're in the middle, alphabet. right? Yeah, yeah, in the middle. No, K is on one side. M is completely on the other side. So I'm trying to find them because they have something that I need. And I'm just walking around aimlessly. And people, I got to tell you, when she says one side, either side, it'll take you a half an hour to walk that distance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to take oh, yeah. you. Think of the um, Kentucky Horse Park from the indoor, the new indoor, down to the main arena. <laughs> That's what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> 100%. Um, but it's it's great. I I have a big horse that I'm showing right now. He's 17, 2, almost 17, Whoa. 3. And, and for yeah. anybody that doesn't know you, you're about 5 foot 2 on a good day. <laughs> I'm 5'3", okay? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he... He loves the stadium because it's massive, and we can so actually. So you were get, were you well, in the big stadium? Or the, I was in, or the so, one in front of the hotel, or the big one with eight thousand seats. So that is the confusion. So the one in front of the hotel is called the Grand Arena, right? Um, and okay. then there's the the stadium, which, which is, is the eight thousand seater. 
Yeah, with which the is purple the one seats. with the purple seats. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know why they pick purple. It's their color, I guess. But yeah. 8,000 purple seats is quite a spectacle. I did say, because I got a picture... Um, one of my photography friends sent me a picture and I was like, oh, this is such a good picture. But there's so many purple seats in the background. <laughs> With like, nobody in them because you're not allowed to have spectators right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. It detracts from from the, the picture of the horse. But, I mean, it's fine. There's still a lot of construction going on. Oh, yeah. And there will um, be for 10 years because the yeah. rest of the 4,000 acres is all going to be built out in little farms and condos and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, there's a lot going on. But... I will say the hacking paths to all the rings is beautiful. You're going through the Spanish moss covered trees. Oh, and the, the footing is perfect everywhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Somebody messaged me and asked, well, how is the footing? And I was like, how do you think it's going to be? It's Disneyland. It's perfect. It's like, it's perfect. <laughs> it's like every 30 minutes, there's tractors in there watering and harrowing and it's always going to be perfect. <laughs> the times we were over there, the water truck was watering arenas every, all day long that weren't even being used. I mean, it was just crazy. There was no dust yeah. anywhere because they were being yeah. watered all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I think once it's finished, it's going to be out of this world. There's and a lot of restaurants and stuff. Some aren't open yet. A lot of my guests are getting open now. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, they're starting to open up. Uh, and then, you know, they're starting to get more and more stores in all the time, permanent stores that'll be there all the time. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And I've eaten at the diner, which is over by the stadium. Delicious. Really? Yeah. Some people, everybody's saying that about the diner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't eaten anywhere else. I know there's a Mexican restaurant. There's an Italian restaurant, which smells incredible. Um, there's an ice cream shop that has sweets as well, and that's where you'll see all the children. We really wanted um, to get ice cream both times we've been there, but it was so freaking cold the two times we were there. It's like in the 40s. It's like we're not yeah. getting ice cream. It was too yep, cold. No ice cream. Nope. <laughs> um, and it's just, but when you walk in the entrance, it gives you chills. Mm -hmm. You walk in and you see the statue. Um, of Sergeant Reckless and the ho big hotel right behind the statue. Yeah, yeah, and the big hotel. Which looks and like they actually something out they, of the old South. I mean, it just yeah. yeah. Or you know, I said the hotel looks like something that should be at Disney World. It looks like one of the themed hotels at Disney World. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And they had a band in the courtyard playing. Did they? Well, that's cool. Yeah. And so, and they they say eventually they're going to be hosting, uh, you know, little outdoor gathering type things with with bands and well they said they're going to be holding a list concerts in that stadium and they could i mean it's yeah. big enough <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no question and the indoors are incredible aren't they i have not been in the indoors oh yet. the indoors are incredible they're they're just out of this world too and huge well that's so cool how'd you do how'd you and your horsey do he he was fantastic he hasn't done a lot of showing so we we went slow um and slows relative. I mean, we just weren't flying around. Um, so, but I mean, he jumped clear every, every day. He's very exuberant for his first week back showing. Um, I'll have to post the clip on, uh, the Facebook page, the sales and breeding Facebook page for, uh, his first round in the meter tens. And he launched into this one stride. He about cleared the standards going into, <laughs> I, First, heart, uh, a hot second thought we were going to bounce the one stride. And I was like, and we weren't coming in that fast. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. And then thankfully, he is a cat-like moose. So even though he's large, he's very good on his feet. <laughs> and uh, we managed to Can we to say survive. potential? Can we say potential? Yes. <laughs> I think so. I think so. That's great. So is that yeah. one of the horses you're training for the sales barn? Um, no, well, he was purchased as a sale horse okay. and he is going to stay around. Oh, good. So we're, we're failures, but with two sale horses, we're keeping, um, and producing and hoping that we can get up the levels in the show jumping. Well, that's and, good for you. If you to, can be, continue yeah. being the jockey, right? So that's good. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's the goal. Finish doing some one thirties on this horse. And then my other horse will do some one twenties and see how high they can jump in the future. So being in here in Acala, you have more choices now this winter. Obviously, you have hits and you have this. And I, and there'll probably be some shows over at the Florida Horse Park yet, too, right? Yeah, they did last week. And I think the last two weeks were at the Horse Park as well. Um, but I'm just going to show at WEC, to be quite honest, because 
hits the footing is horrible unless you're jumping in the stadium and I'm just going to be blunt about it. Like it, it's been a complaint for years and he hasn't done anything about it. And I would be jumping small enough that I wouldn't have the opportunity to jump in that stadium very often. Mm. So there's no point in me putting my horses on that footing when the world equestrian center is right there. And I'm actually stabled 10 minutes from both venues. So it's very easy to get to. Um, and so there's really no question. Plus it's super affordable right now. Um, they don't charge a haul in fee. They're not charging so, for the stall, stay, uh, yeah. stalls either, right? Yeah. There's yeah. no, it's just, there are a few office fees and, and things like that. And the classes maybe are a tiny bit more expensive than you would see at some other venues, but not by much, like by $10, you know? So you, I mean, I think I, my show bill last, last week was less than $300. Which sounds, and, which sounds high for me, but which is not. high, but, <laughs> which but is in not, the grand though. scheme of things, yeah. when, when it's normally like I showed one or two classes on one horse at hits a couple years ago, and it was $650 Whoa. for that week for that week. Whoa. Yeah. So did you, you know, have a virgin a, stall at the barn? <laughs> I, I don't know because <laughs> it's so cool everybody's saying oh i got a virgin stall never been used no before. no i i don't have a stall actually at the barn okay, so right. yeah. um but i've walked by and they are they have the comfort uh flooring which i've had yep. in a couple of the barns down here before that i've which rented. is kind of like a two or three inch rubber but it's bouncy i mean it's nice and i think they put <laughs> foam underneath yeah so when you they do stand something. on it the horses sink just a tiny bit and it just feels like you're like in Nike air shocks all the time. And actually mucking out the P spot is about half the size because it all conforms into like a little section um, instead of splattering and, and going everywhere, which is very important when you're trying to save on shavings. <laughs> And they have, and, and from what I understand, I know a lot of new venues and people have said this. I wonder if they're going to keep up because they have a lot of employees. There must be 500 people running around there. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people said, well, I wonder if they're going to keep that up in a year or two. From what I've heard in Ohio, they've kept it up. I mean, that's just the way they operate. So it's going to continue to be that way. My, uh, my one question is, is the stalls are white mm -hmm. and if they're constantly running shows, how are they going to keep the stalls no clean? I don't know if they have uh, power sprayers come in. There. I don't know. Well, I would assume you power wash, but how how do you have the time? I don't know. They have a lot of people <laughs> work there, that's for sure. And then okay. the other odd thing they have at the uh, at the World Equestrian Center there is for the manure, they have, you know, they have the rolly cart garbage pail buckets. Yes. So which... I walked through and I saw people mucking out into the big they muck out straight into the rolly, the industrial rolly cart garbage cans. It was the weirdest thing I know, to watch. They must empty them all the time because they're not. The, I mean, that one stall and you'd fill it up. Yeah, uh, I, I, they must empty it all the time. But yet, I never saw them emptying it. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know. Uh, it's it's like at Disney. You never see them cleaning, but yet it's always clean. You know, uh, they have secret passages. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they probably do. Yeah, so it's really cool. Everybody, when you get a chance and you get to Ocala, you have to go over and see it. It it uh, what everything Kayla said is true. <laughs> I'm so glad you got the show there. That's really cool. Who are we sponsored by today? And then we're going to get cool. to our guests. We'd like to thank Supreme Top Form Joint Supplement for their continued support of the show. Supreme Top Form Joint Supplement is a 99.8% pure glucosamine hydrochloride and 99% pure hyaluronic acid. It is concentrated, easy to feed, and cost-effective. Hyaluronic acid works by inhibiting the formation of the inflammatory products in joints, which cause pain and cartilage destruction. Glucosamine has been shown to counteract the negative effects of cartilage of steroid administration. Glucosamine also serves as a building block for new cartilage formation. Glucosamine and hyaluronic acid do not cause significant side effects that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents may induce. It is independently lab-tested for purity, so you know what you get is what is on the label. They have both dog and horse supplements, which is great for any horse person. You don't see many horse people without a dog. Visit panamvetcore, that's C-O-R-P, dot com for more information. So we're going to get to our first guests, 
And uh, I think we have a really fun show ahead of us. Tell us who our guests are going to be, and then we'll go to the first one. All right. So we have John Eves Tola, and he's the the organizer and uh, producer of the Young Horse Show series. And then we're going to get to Kimmy Reiser, who, or Risser, sorry, she did tell me in a, uh, earlier that Risser, like Kisser, um, and she specializes in breeding and selling hunter-jumper prospects for Hickory Manor Farm. Okay, so we have John Eves Tola on from the Young Horse Show series. And the Young Horse Show series is designed to provide sport horse breeders as well as owners, trainers, and riders of all disciplines an affordable show venue to introduce and evaluate their young horses. Welcome, John Eves. Hello, hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I wanted to get you on, John Eves. And um, I've participated in the Young Horse Show now for just three years, but it's been around for a while. So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about the Young Horse Show series? Well, we celebrated um, our 10-year anniversary last season. Um, so it's been a little while, but it's been um, a work in progress uh, from the day we started. Um, and uh, basically, um, you know, we did not invent anything. We just thought that um, uh, the, the, the system that the young horses need um, is universal, and this system exists already in Europe, uh, France and Germany and other countries. Um, and it's a system that is proven to work for the youngsters. Um, and basically, the, the the basics of it are very simple. It just allows young horses to get acquainted with a show environment in kind of a relaxed and um, age-appropriate environment and venues and, 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 and classes. So they're not um, going from, you know, zero to 500 um, in no time. Um, that's a little bit the, the problem that we figured out was going on about 10 years ago. Um, and it's actually been from the beginning here is, is uh, the U.S. is a very big and strong show um, country for, for, all disciplines, dressage, eventing, and jumpers, hunters, whatever. But uh, um, in 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 the sport horses, um, there's no real system for the young ones, and 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 so you have a horse, you breed a horse, and um, you have to pretty much figure out what to do until you can go and get in the show ring in the big shows, and 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 that's uh, usually a, a difficult thing for most people. Um, a little bit, if you were to compare it to humans, if you had to, you know, keep your kid until they were 14, 15, and then send him to high school um, without having any kind of junior high or, or 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 primary school or anything before, it would be very tough. So that's kind of where we come in. We we just uh, bridge the gap between you know the the big showing and and the very beginning. And um, yeah, people have have started to to I think understand the necessity for it and also appreciate the fact that they can do that and it allows them to have their horses more prepared um, and when they do get into the big A shows where there's hundreds of horses their horses are, are prepared and they, they've, they've gone through the system they, they know what, what to expect They and, and, and I believe the people too, um, there's a lot of breeders that will keep their horses until they're two, three, maybe four, sell them and then don't really um, participate or are very active into the, I would call the big shows. Um, but it's also a bit of an issue for, for people uh, to not understand what is expected of, of a professional showing horse. So that's basically the, the concept. And then next to that, you obviously also have the whole commerce thing, you know, young horses, breeders. Um, there's a lot of commerce that goes on at the shows where different breeders and different people have their horses and, and meet people and trainers and riders. I mean, it, it really is a wide range of, of activity um, surrounding the shows. And, um, and, and like I was saying earlier, I, I'll just finish quickly. Sorry, it's yeah, no, a little fine. long, but it's a bit of a you're fine. long story. Um, it, it just, 
what what I'm very pleased to see is that it's working. Um, you know, when we started, we had we kind of were walking on eggs a little bit because we didn't really know, and and we did have a couple of years that were a little uh, bumpy. Um, but I think now people have have understood that um, um, it, it's a necessity and it's 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 important for for young horse owners and trainers and riders to participate. And now you offer yeah. classes at they start at one years old and they go up to five, correct? Yes, yes, we we do that. Um, we also have. The door open to six and seven year olds that if they want to come and school, um, they can, and it's very cheap for them to do that. You know, horses that maybe have had an injury or were had to be there for a while or behind for whatever reason, uh, we allow them to come. They're not competitive. They're not part of the qualifying and now um, uh, competition that we offer. But the door is open for them to come and, and participate. And 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 school, <clears throat> but the actual show uh, qualifier for the competition, and, and I would say what counts is yes, one to five. And with the one-year-olds up through three, you do most of that in hand. I know you offer some three-year-old just flat under saddle, but the jumping doesn't start until four, correct? Yes. Well, the, the we have a schooling class uh, for three-year-olds. Uh, um, we have schooling classes for at all levels. So we start with cross rails, and so some three-year-olds can come and um, do that if they want to. But any horse of any age can come and school from cross rails to a meter twenty-five. Um, so we have a ring that is open for that. Um, but yes, like you said, as far as the competition, I would say the series goes. Uh, we don't start competing horses until they're four. Um, uh, jumping on the saddle. But we do have uh, competing classes for three-year-olds on the saddle. That's correct. And where are the venues? Where do you offer shows? Well, at the moment, we um, offer show mostly, I would say, um, the, the the Eastern Corridor from, from you know, as far north as, as Chicago, even though it's been a bit... Um, up, um, you know, up and down up there, um, Lexington, Kentucky, to Georgia, to Florida, uh, Maryland, uh, the Carolinas. So we're a little bit in that, I would say, big region that we call East, Southeast. Um, but we do have shows, and, and they're not as consistent, but we've had shows in Texas, we've had shows in Missouri, we've had shows in California, uh, we've had shows in the past in New England, um, but after a while, we realized that we, we had to focus on, I would say, the venues and the states that were most, um, actually, to be honest, convenient for us, because we're based in Lexington, Kentucky, so for us to go to California or Texas becomes a little trickier. Um, so we had to focus on developing these markets, which we've done. And um, um, and now we're really starting to get organized to expand throughout the country. And the finals are consistently, the last couple of years at least, been in Tryon at the Tryon yes. questions. Um, yes. And do you normally, I know the first year that I went, you also, I don't think it was affiliated with you, but there was also a stallion testing at the same time. So there can be multiple things going on at the venue. Yeah. So until, yeah, until we, we, we get more, um, national, I would say, you know, we've decided that Tryon was the best facility for us and also more central for all the region that we cover. Um, a central place, uh, to have the finals, but eventually we, we we will have finals elsewhere. I think we will have this one in the west, uh, maybe one up north. So, um, but until then, and until that's done, yes, the finals are in Tryon, and then we keep. Yeah, we invite other people, groups, organizations, uh, what have you, to to come and join the fun. Basically, um, our 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 philosophy is to 
to try to bring any kind of organization or, or, or event that is focused on breeding or young horses to 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 come and and join the the fun and 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 we can feed off each other. So yes, uh, we've had a couple of years ago we had the American Trainer Association had their yearly convention. Actually, they're going to be there in 2021, I believe. Uh, back, um, but yes, we've talked about having uh, stallion inspections from other stud books. The Oldenburg Verbon has talked about trying to come and do something too. Uh, so we can combine the trial is so big and it's got so much room to do so many things that um, we we can do whatever we like and we're not opposed to sharing with other organizations to do events uh, that, that make sense for this group of people to right. make it grow and make it um, bigger. Um, I think it will profit everybody. Right. Yeah. And the, um, well, it's nice too, because then it becomes slightly busier, like a bigger show like atmosphere, but yet it's still super low key, which is what I've always enjoyed with my young horses is you kind of just hack around. You have the ability to school in the schooling ring, then go in your ring. Um, and the courses are super inviting and, it's a grand venue, but yet at a much lower intensity. Yes. And, and, and I think as the years pass, we're hoping to, to grow it and grow it um, without losing track of keeping it inviting and relaxed for the horses. But I think we're, you know, we, there's a lot more we can bring um, to the table uh, and to make it more inviting for people to want to participate. Um, but the, the the goal is to kind of create a week-long show where, you know, the young horses and the breeders and, and the young horse trainers and riders all, you know, converge to try on and, and do stuff. We, um, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. We had you on about 10 years ago on the dressage show. I guess it must have been when you first started. Um, and... So ten years later, do you think it's has it gotten? Not do you think has it gotten the mileage that you hoped it would get, or were you expecting it to be doing better at this point? And if so, why hasn't it? No, honestly, um, um, I knew it was going to take a long time, um, and and it's always the case when you offer um, kind of a new product on the market that is uh, that requires a bit of a change of culture. Um, and a change of mindset. You can't change. Right? You're changing mindset. And, change mindsets. Of and you yeah. cannot, exactly. And you, you cannot force that down the throat of anybody. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. Um, and, and we got that fairly quickly that um, we can't force it. We can't push it. You, we got to let people understand it, come, appreciate it, and then build it from there. And that, that takes anything, any business like this always takes at least 10 years. So uh, what's the biggest so, objection uh, for, for people? What's the one you have to answer um, all the time? <laughs> I think it, it's two things. I would say two major things. One is the fact that we are so different from any other shows uh, where people have are used to, you know, going into uh, any, actually any type of show where you just go and compete and um, there's not much else. Basically we, we, we ask a lot more questions of people. We, you know, we offer score sheets with comments and all that stuff. And, and unless you come to the show and you actually experience it, you don't know that um, right off the bat. So maybe you could say on our end, we lack a little bit of publicity. It's true that we're a small organization, so we don't have a ton of money to spend on publicizing. So I think there's a little bit of that, that maybe people are not quite sure what we're about still, mm-hmm. um, or at least throughout the years, even though it's it's becoming more popular and people are starting to know about it. But I am always very surprised when I hear people that tell me, I've never heard of this before. Um, there's that. Um, I think there's another thing, which is there's a, a big turn... There's, I would say 50, 50% of people that turn around, which means 
most breeders in the in the world actually breed one or two horses a year for a couple of years, and then sometimes they stop for a few years. So yeah. there's a, a huge turnaround of of, of crowd. Um, well, and your 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 that, competitors are are the horses are are aging out all the time. So you're constantly exactly. looking for that new group, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I think that's part of it. And then the, the I feel like I'm aging out sometimes too, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of it. It's part of life. But it's good. And, and, uh, um, I, don't I need a young horse things. series. Um, I can get. I can do. That, that'd be great. I I do think you know. I, yeah. It is one of those things that you know. When I first heard about the Young Horse series, I, I anytime I'm you know I'm, I think like a business guy, so I'm looking at business situations and I'm going. Anytime you have to constantly be finding the new ones, which in your case is just the young horses, but you constantly have to be turning over the new ones, then it's it is going to take longer, and you need more and more new ones all the time. So you need people not only bringing. You're right; they may not have a young horse all the time. So you need more and more people. Exactly. With young horses, and that takes a while to develop. So I get that's what I was hoping you would say because that's what I thought the problem would be. Yeah, yeah, and it and 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 in all fairness, it, you know, it's 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 okay. I mean, the U.S. is also a small breeding uh, community. That's true could, too. Compare yeah. it to Europe. Um, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what the numbers are. 100%, but I believe the U.S. breeds between three and 4,000 sport horses a year. Half of them don't even get registered or never probably they're, they're breeders, uh, where, you know, in France alone, they breed 10,000. So that just gives you an idea of the sheer difference in numbers. Uh, and I do believe that part of the problem is because a lot of breeders breed a horse, um, and then they don't know what to do with it. There's no system. There's no schooling. There's nothing uh, for them to to do, so they get stuck with it. Um, and by the time it's five or six, if it's not being under some kind of a rigorous program of training and developing, they're, they're, they're out of the market. Um, well, and it's so, so expensive to show. So in, in most cases, right. but you've made it very affordable now, but people don't realize right. that. And... You know the the yeah. showing you you'd have a thousand dollar bill at the end of the week, and most breeders can't do that because it costs so much That's just correct. to keep the horse. So I That's love correct. this we, this series because yeah, it no, becomes more affordable. We we try we try, and I I, I still and, and trust me, I, I I am very sincere when I say this. I still think we are too expensive. Um, and, and only when our numbers grow that we will be able to bring it down a little bit. Um, in my opinion, you, you ought to be able to come with a two-year-old, two-year-old and do a couple classes for a bucks, uh, and go home. Um, we're pushing more and more the trailering in, um, uh, because obviously if you have to have a style that always raises the costs Absolutely. for the venue and everybody else. But, um, I, I think that we're going to get there. Um, where it's going to be more of a low-key, um, simple place where you can do your bring your your, your couple two-year-olds, two-year-olds, and and expose them a little bit to the world, and then yeah, I, I think to to build regional finals and national finals, that is important. Um, that's that's a, an important part of the the competition and the show, and that's... there you can eventually have bigger shows. But uh, right now we're we're, we're that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to basically get more people, more venues, low key, smaller shows, uh, as qualifiers, um, right. in now, more places. So we if can people, numbers. if people want to go find where the venues are, where the qualifiers and the finals will be and the dates, they just go to the young horse yep. show.com. Yes. Right. Young com, And we, and we have a favorite, Facebook page too, so we Perfect. constantly update and post on there with any kind of, you know, whatever's Updates. going on at the moment. Um, Perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show and telling telling us about you're this. You're so series. welcome. It's fantastic, you're and if anybody welcome. has if anybody has a young horse, I highly recommend going and looking at the website. So, Younghorseshow.com so is where you'll find it. 
So I wanted to remind everybody that uh, Jamie and I will be here tomorrow. Now, she had her surgery earlier in the week, so we recorded these episodes uh, last week. So, But we will hear a brand new brand new episode for you. It's just that uh, we're, we're not recording it tomorrow morning. We recorded it last week so that she should have time to recover and get off of her uh, really wicked drugs that she's on. And hopefully she's doing better. So, Kayla, uh, I do want to ask you, and and I think sometimes people wonder this. You're, you're a professional in this business, and you've come to Florida now. And a lot of professionals, I know when Reese comes down, she says it's actually easier down here because she may not have her, all her horses when she's down in Wellington. So she'll ride her horses and do a little training, but it's not the craziness that is at home. Is that way for you? Do you have less to do down here or more? Um, absolutely, 100% have less to do. Uh, especially this year, I brought three horses down and we just got a fourth horse in, um, I have a working student, so we, but we don't have a farm to maintain, so I don't have to worry about cutting grass. I don't have to worry about repairing things. If something needs repairing, I tell the people that I'm renting from and I might fix it, but it's not, um, it's not all that general maintenance, emptying the manure spreader. We have dumpsters, um. I go to the gym a lot. <laughs> I have to be fit to ride that 17 three-hand horse. <laughs> Otherwise, I get launched into the air and spun off. So um, so luckily, I, I have less to do so I can gym more. And uh, with horse showing, though, it does take up a lot more time. And since we have the availability to horse show more often, it's it's become a lifestyle down here a little bit more. How many rides will you do on a typical day? At home? Yeah, at home or, or here when you're in Florida. Well, so I only have my two competition horses, so I definitely ride them. Um, and then I have the two client horses, um, and I teach my working student on one um, and then teach the other girl. So I'm only riding two horses right now. So what are uh, the, what's there if you take one of those horses? Let's take the big one. What's yeah. his name? Doki. Doki? Doki <laughs> Dularay is his competition name, and, and Doki is his bar name. <laughs> so, Doki, take Doki. What what does his week look like? So, are, are you jumping every day? Are you doing a trail day and then jumping and then flat? How do you break his week down? So, I ride all, both the horses six days a week. Um, he, since he showed last week, he showed Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday which is actually less work than he does when he's normally training. So it was mm. lighter. I actually rode him harder, you know, on that Friday and on the Tuesday um, to get his energy down because I've gotten him a little bit too fit. That's my event background of, you know, he did canter sets. He's done some stuff because he's bigger. Um, he walks on the walker or the treadmill on top of his regular work. So, um, this week though, he will have, he'll be mostly flatting and trot setting and he will go to the horse show just to go into the warm up rings cause he gets quite excitable and he'll hack around the horse show venue and it'll be super cruisy. We'll stop, give him treats, hang out, um, do stuff like that. And then he'll show the next week, three days out of the week, but he'll, he will work six days out of that week, um, and treadmill or go on the walker for 45 minutes. So do you jump them every day when you're working them? No. Okay. No. I mainly probably jump two to three times a week. Uh, I flat the other times or hack out, trot set. I try to be out of the ring actually more often than not with him because he can get a little cranky about working too hard. He wants to work and he wants to work hard, but he doesn't want to work where he's going around and around. Yeah, he gets small bored. Yeah. yeah. So he's... Um, I often wonder so I why more horses don't get bored. It's boring. I think they do. I think they do. <laughs> They're just, they like to please their humans. Yeah. So, um, and then Kensington, my younger horse, he does the same schedule just at maybe a less intense version of it. So he still flats three days a week, jumps two to three times, hacks out. And he also, he just walks on the walker. He doesn't have to do the treadmill. So there's no hills involved because we're in land of the flat over here yeah, and yeah. at home in Maryland we're yeah, you're land. flat there too. Oh, we're so flat and I can haul out, but I'd have to haul like an hour, an hour and a half away to go do Hills, which just doesn't work with my schedule. Cause I'm much busier at home teaching lessons and where, where, I ride where Kayla's located in Maryland. She's near the Gulf. Uh, and 
you, the bay. The bay, yeah. Right. yeah the bay, sorry. <laughs> uh, the waves are bigger than your hills. Uh, uh, yes. Where you live. <laughs> Which aren't that big, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're choppy, but they're not that big. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, you, we try to keep the horses happy. And and being in a, from an eventing background, I love going and trotting down roads and around fields and doing trot sets and canter sets and fitness and, and all that. But the big horse, especially because he's so massive and he's got a longer back, he really needs hills to build the hind end strength. So we, we are lucky enough that at the barn in Maryland and the barn down here in Florida, they both have treadmills. So I can help him by walking him up hills in intervals um, just like a two degree hill, and it really does make a difference. Very so, cool. yeah, very cool. All right. Well, speaking of uh, big horses and really cool horses, our next guest breeds there. Okay. All right, Kayla. In right. three, two, one. Now we're going to welcome Kimmy Risser from Hickory Manor. Um, Hickory Manor specializes in breeding and buying and selling of hunter jumper prospects. And they aim to produce supreme athletes for any discipline. Welcome to the show, Kimmy. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on here. And so, Kimmy, I actually met you. We just got off the line with John Eves from the Young Horse Show. Yes. And this is how I actually met you, was through the Young Horse Show. Because you are a participant. And um, because you have a ton of young horses. Oh, so many. <laughs> Every so, time so many. I see see you, like we never actually see each other at the Young Horse Show during the day because you are like in and out of rings, holding five horses by the end of the lead ropes. No, actually, your babies are very well behaved compared to Thank some you. other ones. But <laughs> you can tell they've been handled. So, but tell us about Hickory Manor and what made you get into breeding. Yeah, so we're located right outside of Lexington, Kentucky now. We've been here um, for about three and a half years. I came from Southern Virginia. Um, I got into breeding, um, gosh, been probably like eight or nine years ago now. Um, I was showing competitively, um, you know, doing the whole Ace Circuit thing. I was in a riding accident. Wasn't going to be able to ride anymore, but wanted to stay involved in the industry. Um, I'd had a stallion at the time. Um, and so I got into breeding and it started with one mare and, and one foal and, and then, um, yeah, well, here we are. <laughs> um, and then my dream all along after getting into the breeding was to be able to offer a pipeline, um, all the way up from foaling to showing. Um, I think sometimes when you're selling foals, people will ask you, well, what do I do with it now? you would never have an answer for them. And I always kind of felt a little bit like a fraud because <laughs> I was selling right. this dream to people that I couldn't um, really direct them. It was really hard to find these good programs. So I'd always want to do it myself. And so we moved to Kentucky. That's what we did. And we put together a really good program. We do everything in house um, from breeding to raising, to starting them under saddle and uh, getting them more showing. And so, typically what busy. breeds, typically what breeds do you do? Um, we mainly have warm bloods here. Um, I personally really love, um, like more of the Oldenburg lines. I love me up sea line Holsteiner. Um, you know, hunter jumpers are really my thing. Dabbled in the dressage horses as far as starting them. Um, but my expertise definitely lays a little bit more in the hunter jumpers. We've done some thoroughbreds off the track here just because of where we're located. <laughs> um, <Yep. laughs> it comes to the territory and I love me a good thoroughbred. I grew up riding them. I love them. One of my best brood mares is a thoroughbred. But um, yeah, I would say mainly you're looking at a lot of like the hunter jumper types is what we're getting in. And now, so how many brood mares? Let's start there. How many brood mares do you have on the farm? <laughs> I don't know. That infamous um, I, question. <laughs> I know. I don't even know. Um, I typically am having around five to seven foals a year. We're expecting six this year. Um, I try to keep a filly every year for myself um, with the hopes of breeding it as a three-year-old before they go into sport, um, which we've now done for two years um, with fillies that I bred. Um, but yeah, typically I keep five to seven, um, you know, active broodmares going. Um, and then obviously I retire them at the end. So I have a couple 
that are retired now that are just living the life outside. So, yeah. Living the good life, especially on that Kentucky bluegrass. Oh, I know they're <laughs> so fat. <laughs> um, and do you typically sell them as foals or do you keep them? And like, like what you said, or is it kind of a mix where you keep a couple um, of stardom? I definitely aim to sell them. I, um, my breeding mentors growing up, uh, not growing up, but well, I guess in theory as a breeder growing up, um, were Jennifer DeRoche and Jessica Stallings there in North Carolina. And they sort of have brought me along on this journey and they gave me very good education on selling foals. And that is what my business does center around is selling them as foals. I started in utero selling last year. Um, and that has actually gone very well for me in the last this will be my second year selling in utero. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I know I'm breeding these really phenomenal animals and I know that for me financially, I cannot do for them what, what I've created for them to do, if that makes any sense. So I have to find the right people for them. And I have the best group of owners. I call them my family. They're the Hickory Manor family and they're the best people. I've really been fortunate through the years of having wonderful owners. And I'm really glad you actually brought up the in utero because we have um, super listeners called auditors. And I put a post out earlier on saying, you know, we're going to be recording. Does anyone have any questions? And someone asked a question about buying a horse in utero and mm-hmm. um, thinking that I would know <laughs> anything about that. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I buy them when they're rideable. Um, so so what what's your experience when you sell a horse in utero? What are the guarantees? Like, what do you offer to the buyer? Walk us through that process. So in utero selling is really interesting. And I say all the time, you could ask six readers that question, you're going to get 12 answers. Yep. Like truly, it is a very individual um, choice between you and the buyer. For me, I have my base contract, but it's a very fluid contract depending on the situation. Um, but I will say for me, I um, pretty hard you know, rule on, um, I sell live foals. I don't sell healthy foals, if, if that makes any sense. So I sell at a discount in utero, which not all breeders do. A lot of breeders will estimate the value of the foal and sell it at true cost. I sell it at a discount because I realize that the buyer is taking on um, the risk um, by buying in utero. Um, but I do guarantee a live foal. Um, and obviously, and they only pay a deposit until it's born. And so if it's born and it has some issues that they just aren't comfortable with, then they are more than happy to walk away. And the only thing that they're out is that deposit, um, which is only 10%. So um, there is a lot of risk involved, but they are also getting a very nice foal for a very discounted rate because of that risk. So I try to you know, make it a win-win for both sides. Um, last year, I sold all but one in utero. Um, and I'm not going to be thankful. It went very, very well. Everybody was very happy with their foals. Um, this year, we sold two of them in utero. Um, and both for me, they're both repeat buyers. And um, so, yeah, so it's it's worked out well for me. I do it a little different maybe than someone else does. But we all sort of have our own way of doing it that we're comfortable with. Well, I mean, that's no different than selling a horse, like even a riding horse. Everyone sells differently. Yeah. I just sold a horse. Yep. Um completely in a weird way they bought the horse pre-purchase horse bought it with the expectation that they could take it on uh, a two-week trial basically but they paid full price uh-huh. part of that price yep. wouldn't come wouldn't go back but they would also have to pay shipping to ship the horse back and oh yeah. i mean they love the horse so that all worked out but thank goodness <laughs> oh, that's a heart you know your heart skips a beat but um you know yeah. in times of covid things are just weird anyways so you're selling, selling horses, horses. Really yeah, and you just sell horses the way you can and the way people are comfortable with. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that makes and I, sense. And I, yeah, and I'll say contracts make good business friends. And I grew up in a business family. My dad runs a very large real estate um, business, and I grew up with that being the way that life works. I don't care if it's your best friend or your sister or your brother you have contracts. And so I'm, my buyers can tell you, my clients here can tell you, I love me a contract. I write my own contracts, um, and which allows me to then work with the buyer to make it work for both of us. Um, but as long as you have good contracts in place, it's rare that things will go bad. Um, but in the horse world, that tends to not be the go-to sometimes it's a little too much of a 
a handshake and a little <laughs> less formal, but, um, but yeah, I tend to find as long as you've got a good contract under you, things tend to go well. And okay. We're going to go back to breeding now. Um, <laughs> how do you choose, how do you choose a stallion to breed your mare to? What do you look for? Um, so I, um, I have really wonderful mares and I love my mares and truthfully, I say all the time, I would never breed a mare that I wasn't okay with having a hundred percent carbon copy of. So one of the things that I prefer in a stallion is actually one that allows a lot of my mare to come through. I don't tend to like the stallions that really overshadow my mare. Now, thankfully the mares typically are the majority of the equation, um, so I'm lucky in that, but that's definitely an important thing to me because I do really like what my mares bring to the table. Um, but, you know, usually I just start out with a column of my mares and their strengths and their weaknesses. And, you know, obviously as breeders, we always are seeing stallions everywhere and offspring everywhere. And so we have a mental list in our head, um, you know, of stallions we like and what we've seen consistently. And so I'll just kind of start jotting stuff down and watching videos and watching offspring videos and, I mean, it turns into hours and days and weeks and you're changing your mind all the time. Um, yes. But I'm a big list person. So I make a lot of lists and cross them off and, um, and that kind of thing until I kind of arrive at my decision. And do you find that, like, how do you know if a stallion overshadows a mare? Like from a person, like I know nothing about breeding, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I ride. By watching off. Yeah, by watching offspring videos, um, if you watch 15 offspring video and every single one is exactly the same, or you can be, see very, very strong characteristics that are similar, that's a good thing. Um, but sometimes I get a little worried, you know, that I maybe like this part of my mare, that part of my mare, and every single one, you know, has a very strong characteristic here, but that's what I really love in my mare. So I don't really want what that part of the stallion to come through. Um, and you know, there are a lot of stallions that are known for being very prepotent. In fact, I own one. My stallion Pandelero is extremely prepotent himself. Um, so I'm always, you know, careful about who I use him on, um, so that he doesn't change too much. Right. Um, but on, on the flip side, that's great when you have a mare that really needs some help in some place, I know he's going to do it. So, um, yeah, basically it's the offspring that are going to tell you the most. Obviously you watch the stallion because that's who you're breeding to, but at the end of the day, the stallion's only as good as an offspring. So I watch a lot of those videos. Mm -hmm. And do you think that the mare, cause I've heard in the past that mares bring a little bit more of the personality to their foals, mm -hmm. or is it kind of, it just depends on the mare and it depends on the stallion. I would say majority of the time you're going to get a lot of this, the mare and she's the one raising them. Um, you're going to get a lot of the mare. And again, there are some stallions that, are very prepotent. Going back to my own, all of his foals are the exact same. They're all very, very easy to be around. You can point them out from a mile away. Um, but majority of the time, you're going to get the mare's personality. So again, if you don't love your mare, you shouldn't <laughs> be breeding her because that's what you're going to get. <laughs> okay. And I would say the same for recipient mares. You know, if you're doing embryo transfer, you know, it can sometimes be really scary to get these recipient mares from these big programs because you don't know anything about them. Um, and right. they will influence the personality of your foal. Inter well, I mean, I guess you're a product of your environment that you're raised in as well. Yeah, as, it's the nature versus yeah. nurture yeah. argument. Yeah. Yeah. So that, actually, it's a very good point. Do um, you ever have, uh, do you ever have kiddos come up that just don't get sold? And then what do you do? Or do they all get sold? Yeah. You know, I have, I mean, they all eventually get sold. Um <laughs> Not to like toot my own horse, but I'm I'm pretty good at selling horses. But um, you know, I I actually ha I've only had one ever that I truly can wonder how did this thing not sell? And I did sell her at two and a half, but she was the most beautiful, easiest, most incredible animal. You know, she wasn't going to go, you know, go to the Olympics and cure world hunger, but she was like the most amazing, amazing filly growing up, and I could never understand how she wasn't selling. I mean, it would, it boggled my mind. We had professional photos and the videos and I mean the whole shebang. Um, and she did sell to someone I have known for years and it was meant to be, there was a very emotional connection to it. She had wondered since she was a foal. So in my opinion, it was supposed to go that way. Um, but typically if I have my mind to sell something, 
they're going to get sold. <laughs> <laughs> are mares harder to sell still? I think, yeah, I think they are. I am, I have kind of the nickname is the Philly factory. I rarely have hope, <laughs> um, which is really unfortunate since I like to keep a Philly every year, but, um, they are hard to sell. That's her collection really there in easy. Kentucky of horses. Like, yep. Yeah, that's why I have so many. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm I'm really lucky again when I look at my mares. I don't love the really marish type of mares um, because I do think that's genetic. So I am lucky that a lot of my mares are easy. They don't have to be on hormones or anything like that. They're all pretty easygoing. Yeah, we love to see, we love to see sales ads for horses that uh, can't do anything, not good at anything, but would be great for breeding. No, they really wouldn't. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. I, I get a call every week about that type. Do you want this mare? She's got this and this, this and that. She's lame, and we don't know why. And I'm like, oh no. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> why do people think they and they honestly believe that that's what should happen? It's like, no, yeah. it's not breed the bad qualities. Yeah. Let's breed the good ones. I know. <laughs> Everyone thinks it needs a job. And apparently that's what they think its job should be. Yeah. Well, it's the only Otherwise, job left is the problem. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Otherwise, they're just professional lawnmowers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's funny. What's the, where can people find you? Um. Well, I, you mean as far as like contacting? Yes. Like my, uh, website or my, Facebook or? Yeah, I'm very active on Facebook. Um, and my farm is on their Hickory Manor. Um, I'm in the process of doing a website. I think there's one out there if you search, but don't look at it. Um, it was <laughs> I did, very old, by the way. Very long I ago. did. Oh, it's 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 horrifying, isn't it? <laughs> I um, did. <laughs> it's it, like a ten year old did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that bad. But I did. I noticed it was out of date, and so I started scrolling just to make sure before I put it on the show notes. And I was like, oh, yeah. no, no, I don't think this is current. And uh, No, it's so, not. And yeah. I don't have any of these login info to cancel it. So that makes it really hard. Um, but I did hire somebody to do a website for me. So it is in the process of getting done uh, because I realized that Facebook cannot be the end all. Um, but I, I will say I'm very active on Facebook because a part of my program that I'm really proud of is I – really like people to feel like they're a part of it, whether they're an owner or they just like to look on Facebook. Um, I really have worked hard to create a brand that is very interactive and um, inclusive because um, I want people to want to be a part of what I have here. Um, so we post lots of fun videos and pictures and, you know, it's not all staged. I mean, it truly is just everyday life. Sometimes they're going to be muddy in those photos, um, but they're happy. And that's, you know, that's what matters most. And then obviously, when we horse show and all that kind of stuff. So we have, a, we have a lot of fun. Fantastic. Well, we'll go on to Facebook, Hickory Manor, and uh, look at all your cute little baby pictures. And there's no mud in Kentucky. Thank you. What yep. are you talking about? No mud in Kentucky. Oh, my God. Yes, it is. It's up to my eyeballs. <laughs> Literally 15 minutes before this call, I was ankle deep in mud putting out hay. Yeah, we <laughs> lived in Lexington for a lot of years. I know about that mud. <laughs> oh, I know. But you know what? I came from Southern Virginia where it was way worse. So this really isn't that bad. Um, I love I Florida sand. It's there. wonderful. Florida sand is wonderful. Oh, I know. I grew up on an island, actually. So I, I do miss the sand. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know what? The other nine months that it's not mud season here, it's totally worth it. So I don't mind. Yeah, it, it, Lexington is a nice place. I really liked it. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, uh, Kayla can be found where? Um, I can be found at selkuthsporthorses.com or on Facebook, Selkuth Sport Horses. I also am pretty active on my own Facebook page, Kayla Benny, um, and Instagram, Selkuth Sport Horses. And you can find links to today's guests in the show notes at horseinthemorning.com. Or if you're listening on a podcast player, most people don't realize you can, depending on the podcast player, you can scroll up or down while you're listening to our show, and the show notes are right there. So you can click on a link, and it'll open your browser and take you right to it without even leaving your phone. And uh, most people don't even realize that. <laughs> but yeah, most podcast players will do that.
You can follow us on Facebook as well. Just search for Horses in the Morning. We talk about auditors all the time. There are super fans. Kayla mentioned that earlier. Kayla was an auditor before she was a host. And you can become an auditor just by going to horseradionetwork.com, scrolling down the right-hand side of the page, looking for the auditor banner. And for as little as $3 a month, you too can become an auditor and get all the extra benefits that go with that. And it's really fun. The auditor page on Facebook is super active. And one of the most positive pages on Facebook you're going to find it anywhere. Absolutely. It's like the only reason I go on Facebook, actually. <laughs> That's what a lot of auditors say that, too. So thank you for the auditors for keeping that uh, that super safe as well. Auditors, hang around a little bit after the show. Kayla and I will chat a little. Uh, and uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow. Jamie will be here. All right. And thanks to our sponsors, Supreme Top Form. And remember, riding like life doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful. Give your horse a pat after every ride.